We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast on a Monday afternoon. Along with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, I'm Chris Plank, and... You know, it's kind of funny, Toby. Today, today I've started diving into all the audio from the Lincoln Riley presser on Friday. And, of course, you have that available on the podcast platform right now. And you said it in a tweet, and I thought it even more and more as I listened to this a couple of times, then listened to his interview that he did on Get Up. The man is just impressive. All the way around and everything that he does, Lincoln Riley is just an impressive human being, period. It's... um. His maturity, you know, there's a lot to be made of his coaching, obviously, and I think he's a, a genius, especially offensively. We all do. But the way he handles himself even is beyond his years, and I thought um, his press gathering on Friday was brilliant. I thought what he had to say is exactly the way I wish I could say what I wanted to say. You know, he's he's just uh, fantastic. He's a great representative for our university. I think that um, there's a reason he's been so good on the recruiting trail because I think uh, parents see that that's the kind of guy that they want to entrust their young men with. And uh, obviously he's a heck of a football coach as well. So just another example of what an impressive guy Lincoln is. And I think he's exactly right, by the way, with it, with everything he said about, you know, timelines and, and how much time they need, and we should wait till we know for sure everything's okay. And uh, I echo everything he said for what it's worth. And I, uh, I continue to have a good feeling. I don't know about you. I continue to 
I think this last week was a pretty positive week and hopefully we can string a few of those together here and, and get back on the playing field soon. Loved it. I loved everything about this week um, or this past week. Now, I guess if we want to nitpick and you open my eyes to this, one week you'll be kind of hot and, oh, Major League Baseball is going to be back. And then, Toby, the next week it'll be the NBA. Last week was baseball's, what, 68-page breakdown of what needs to happen. Right. And then it was a quiet week for the NBA. Then out of nowhere, the NHL pops up, says, hey, we're looking at finishing up with, what, 24 teams. So I guess the bottom line here in what I felt like I learned, it's much more complicated than just saying, hey, we flattened the curve. Doors open, let's go. There's a lot that goes into this at every level in getting sports back. Now, that's absolutely right. And um, it is, I think, going to be maybe the most complicated <laughs> with college football, unfortunately. And it's it's complicated with baseball and basketball and everything. But there's nothing out there quite like in American sports, quite like the setup we have for college football. I mean, there's, you know, there's kind of not really one leader for that sport and everybody's in different pockets of the country. And, um, you know, the conference commissioner set up the presidents, the ADs, the head coaches. I mean, there's just so many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, that to get everybody on the same page is I it's going to be impossible in my opinion. I think we're just going to have to have a year where everybody kind of does the best they can where they are and and see what it looks like, you know, and and it's going to be 2020. I mean, listen, 2020 is this people are going to look back at all elements of life at 2020 and go, "Oh, that was 2020." Right. You know, I mean, we're all that was the year of COVID. That's why NBA only played X number of games and baseball only played X number of games and college football was wanky. They didn't play in this conference and that conference didn't only played conference games. And if we're not, if we're going to wait until we get it perfect, I don't think we're ever going to play anything. So there's going to have to be um, an element of, of good enough uh, in this and, you know, making obviously the the baseline is making sure everybody's safe as possible. But uh, there's going to have to be an element in all sports, especially college football, of good enough. And Pig, Piglet agrees wholeheartedly with me. <laughs> by the way, that's awesome. So we're going to hear Josie coming up in just a bit. I, I know that every single week, you know, we we were bragging on Lincoln Riley, but. Joe, incredibly impressive. He took us through a breakdown on Big 12 today of just the in-depth process in just kind of understanding where we are with the disease and where we are with the outbreak and controlling it. Toby, I don't – I mean, kudos to Joe C. because this thing is much more in-depth and detailed than I think any of us could have ever possibly comprehended. Well, yeah, uh, the – the element of health-wise knowing where we are there and, and knowing the uh, the advancement of uh, testing, the availability of testing, there's the whole medical element to this that is at the forefront. But from a logistics standpoint, beyond that, the, the different permutations of possibilities that they're having to be ready for is – almost infinite you know you know this chris a regular season home football game 
is an army of planning when everything is perfect. <laughs> you know, a perfect weather day in September or October for a home game is an army of people and planning that goes in to pull it off. So that's when everything is perfect. You throw in now all of the different possibilities for fans, no fans, 50% fans, 20% fans. We don't even know what the non-conference teams are going to be able to do. Missouri State's saying whatever they're saying and Army, who knows their situation and conference games and what about OU Texas and all of the different things they've got to be ready for. It is amazing what they are doing over there right now. And I thought, you know, one of the the best lines Joe had when we had a chance to talk to him, and and I really enjoyed what he had to say to you guys as well, but he he just kind of, he said, we're going to have a plan to where everybody can go driveway to driveway and not touch a thing if they don't want to. And basically said, whenever it's time to play football, we'll be ready. You know, in other words, you can be confident. We'll be ready. OU is going to be ready. So uh, it's uh, there's a lot of hours being put in and a lot of thinking being put in. I can't imagine how many white dry erase boards are cooking right now and sticky notes and and uh, chalks flying and everything trying to figure out how they're going to pull this off whenever. And that's just, you know, we're one school of of a bunch over, you know, that are trying to do the same thing right now. How do you – here's something that I've struggled with, and I'm not trying to get too personal on this, but is I'll ride that wave of emotion. You know, I see and I hear Joe and I hear Lincoln, and I'm sky high, man. I'm like, let's go. And then you see this report out of South Carolina where they're not going to have in-person classes, even after fall break next year. You see the California State education I don't is it board or whatever it is the university system that decides that they're not going to have in person fall and then it goes back the other way because you hear this school's going to be in person this school it I don't I have I'm having a hard time Tiro following that roller coaster of okay what's prudent and what's either concerning or excitement inducing right now you know it's, it's just that's been the hard thing for me and maybe part of that is sifting through all right what's of real concern right now and what's something that's just maybe kind of a plan a placeholder if you will to see how the the, the virus continues to hopefully diminish across the country that's that's been a hard thing that's for hard. me to figure out it's, it's hard and uh you throw on top of that everybody's kind of sniping at each other right now on separate sides of political aisles and then it's hard to know exactly who to believe and who's being political and who's just got facts and no i'm with you it's hard it's i'll tell you i'll be personal with you uh there have been some days throughout this when i've been in the dumps man i mean it's you know i was i was down and out, as you know, for a few weeks before this ever came along. And and then this comes along and, and you hear bad news and you don't know exactly when we're ever going to be back in a radio booth or playing ball. And it's depressing. And uh, uh, a lot of jobs right now are being lost or shaky. And, you know, that includes us. You know, that includes the radio stations we work for. And if 
there's no football season. There's no radio broadcast to go with it. And we got families and everything. And, and all these people that are, uh, you know, work around campus corner or their jobs revolve around an OU football season or, uh, this is scary. I mean, it's depressing stuff and knowing exactly who's on top of it and who's got the good Intel and what's going to happen. I think I have found a little bit of peace recently in two things. One is the the knowledge that nobody knows. Like everybody's just guessing this has never happened before, at least not in a hundred years. And even that was different. And anybody who's speaking with too much certainty about anything regarding a medical situation or regarding the economy or regarding college football or, or anything is to some extent just guessing. And so I just think you put, you know, if you, if you know that whenever you hear some information out there that it's just kind of the South Carolina president is just kind of guessing we're not going to be okay by the fall. And anybody who's being too gung ho about it's just kind of guessing that we are going to be okay. So, um, and the other thing is all, all you can really control is you and know that I can't do anything about it. I right. can't do anything about whether college football is going to be played. I can't do anything about, what the situation is in the state of New York or the state of California uh, or anything. And so if I can just take care of, of this podcast right now, you know, and then we'll move on to a doctor's appointment and then we'll move on to, you know, whatever tomorrow holds for my family. That I think is what everybody's doing right now is just kind of making sure that day to day you take care of what needs to be taken care of. And you, you hope when we look up on September 5th, there's going to be college football out there. All right, T. Row. By the way, we are we're expecting some good news on the back. Speaking of a, of an update on your physical ah, well being, fingers crossed. I go for my uh, three month checkup today, and I'm feeling great. So I'm really hoping that he gives me permission to swing a golf club because I feel like that would be a great reliever right about now if I could uh, swing a golf club. So if you hear some sobbing tears here in a couple hours, you know what that means. Yeah, or either that, or either that, or uh, hooting jubilation. One of the two. <laughs> uh, but, all right, Tiro. Have a great rest of your day, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon yeah. here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. All right, see you, Chris Blank. See you, buddy. Love talking with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Joe Castiglione coming up here in just a bit. But before we get there, the Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by AT and T. AT&T America's best network. Metroplex Electric, we can be your electrician. Flexible payment schedules are available for Sooner Club members in 2020. Visit your online account manager or call 405-325-8000 to be a part of the team today. We know we'll soon experience Sooner Magic again, together as one. All right, the Sooner Sports Podcast rolls on, and we are pumped to be joined by the man, the fam behind Kona Ice, Joe Lindsay is our guest. Joe, first and foremost, thanks for joining us. How, how have things been for you, man? Take us through how business has been during these trying times. Well, I say pretty good. I, I don't really get all negative. Um, you know, we shut down in March for a couple weeks with the schools closing. Now we were serving 45 schools a month for their fundraisers, and you know, that comes to an abrupt halt. Um, we have some cooler weather there in March, so we just – Sit back and relax a little bit, and we retooled the business and went back to old school to say, uh, just running neighborhoods and serving the communities around us. Has that um, has that been a challenge? I mean, in a lot of ways, 
when, when we talk to business owners, there's obviously challenges, but there's a joy in having to go back and reinvent yourself. We want this to be done. We want this to be over. But, Joe, you talk about the positivity. While there's challenges and while it's hard, there's got to be at least some, some fun in trying to reinvent things, right? Right, right. I mean, when we when we started, when we got into Kona Ice, I mean, that's how we started, you know, running neighborhoods, and then we just getting back to that. But there's a there's a demand. I mean, people want us. It's crazy. There's there's uh, I say sometimes it's out of control. <laughs> people out of control because you know we're all we're getting the calls and emails like, when are you coming through? Where are you at? And I'm like, I can I can only drive 35 miles an hour. I'll get to you. <laughs> so. So, Joe, take us through what you have done to kind of reinvent things. I, I I told you when we were setting this up, our family's a big Kona Ice family. My daughters love it. We're we're out at the trails a lot, and we'll see you at the trails events, obviously doing the tailgate parties for the Sooner Radio Network. You're out there. But how have you gone through kind of reinventing or getting back to your roots through this process? Right. Um, like I said, when we, when we started Kona Ice um, – we started a local franchise. Me and my wife will get after the neighborhoods. Well, that was 2014. So now we just up the ante where I've got a set schedule. I, I tell folks where my routes are. Um, we do a lot more social media push on Facebook. <clears throat> um, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Nothing, nothing really beyond that. It's just, it's just getting trucks out and getting, getting seen. I think more than anything is um, to make sure people know that you're open too, Joe, right? That you're there for business. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's driving down the street and playing the music, really. That's how they know. They <laughs> 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 <So, laughs> <you> do that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I think the good thing is, you know, as far as it's open for business, I mean, we're, we're a food truck, so people know that the food trucks are out there. Right. I mean, we, um, I sat out in front of my driveway last night. I was, I know, I had to come to a truck in front of my driveway, and across from me was a, a taco truck. So, you know, the, the neighborhood HOA events have been really good, too. Will, things like that. Will you kind of take us through what has separated Kona Ice? And again, there, there's a lot of really cool things that you're doing now, but but when you started this, what was what was the genesis behind it? And what, what made you and your family want to do this, Joe? Sure. Um, let's start, you know, I've, I've been involved in a, in a few small businesses, and it kind of, you know, one led to another, and it, it led us to want to get into a food truck. And through homework, um, popped up Kona Ice. And it was one of those ventures where, you know, the wife said, oh, we're going to go bankrupt. <laughs> and, uh, and me, you know, we, we pushed on. And uh, got our first truck, and kind of what, what gravitated us more towards Kona was the, the community involvement. Um, and uh, I mean, that, that was the biggest thing. I think last year, kind of wrapped your mind around this. I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. Is you know, we give back seventy thousand dollars in give backs to schools, churches, wow. you know, nonprofits, those type of organizations. So. You know, every business has a bottom line mm-hmm. end of the year, but you know, my, my bottom line focus is the give back. That's awesome, man. I, mean, I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I, I was wanting to push a hundred thousand this year on the give back, but 
I, I, I think we'll still be able to do that. That's so awesome. Is that just yeah. something that's always been ingrained in you to give back to the community? Is it, I mean, are you a, an, an Oklahoma guy? I mean, what kind of led to wanting that to be a major part of this business to give back to the community? Because not everyone's like that. Sure. Well, when we got into Kona, I mean, of course, it's all about profits, you know, making a living. Right. But once we kind of got steamrolling with Kona, it kind of gets in, it gets engraved into you with the business, and uh, just kind of goes from there. I was, I worked for the Federal Bureau of Prisons for 25 years, so you know, I I really never had that. Wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I never had that community sense, you know, until we we got into this. Oh, gosh, you got to tell the story. Joe, you got to tell the story, man. How do you go from working in the Federal Bureau for Prisons and then ending up uh, selling Kona ice, selling snow cones? I mean, that's a little bit of a leap there. (laughs) So, okay, I'll tell you a story. Um, So, so later I worked with, she retired and she went to work for a company called The Coach. It was a charter bus company. And, um, she called me one night and said, hey, we need some drivers. Can you come over and work with us? So I, I went over there and I part-time driving charters. And um, that company shut down. Then I went to work for another one and another one. And, and those of us in the bus business, we, we kind of gravitate toward a handful of companies. <laughs> and uh, I was in Denver and I seen the, the three-wheel pedicab carts, you know, the haul around people. And... Uh, I thought, hey, that wouldn't be a bad thing to do. <laughs> so we bought we bought a couple of those, and I ran those for a couple months, and it just didn't take off like I wanted to. I turned that into a vending cart, and I was selling drinks and chips and snacks off of it. I'd go to parades, so I'd, I'd pedal my cart down the parade route selling, and uh, that that turned into. That's just doing festivals. Wow. And I was I was doing kids' crafts for a while, making paracord bracelets and marshmallow guns for kids. And uh, I watched them. If we're going to make any money doing this, we need to get a food cart, food trailer. So that's kind of how it started. That's awesome. Like I said, one, one thing leads to another, you know. That's amazing. And, yeah, and there's people. Yeah, there, there were people at work kind of looked at me crazy like, you're this kind of gruff guy doing this now, smiling <laughs> at kids. <laughs> That's awesome, Joe. Hey, uh, in, in giving back to the community, in, in cre- you create memories, man. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, from the from the desire for a tiger blood, as soon as we see your car anywhere we are, I mean, you create memories for family. So I'm appreciative of you. I'm, I'm so glad that you guys are doing well. Tell everyone how they can get in touch with you, how maybe if they want to book you for an upcoming event, maybe a neighborhood that, like you said, is wanting to bring you out. What What's the best way people can get in touch with Kona Ice? Sure. Um Kona-ice.com is one way. So you go into the main website, and there's a section in there called Find a Kona. You type in your zip code, and it pulls up your local franchisee. And um, you just send them a little email on that. And then the other way for my personal operation is Facebook, Kona Ice of Yukon, Mustang, Norman. Man, when I think of Kona Ice, I think of summer, I think of fun, I think of Tiger Blood. Thanks to Joe for joining us. Now, before we get to Joe Castiglione, 
couple of quick notes from our sponsors like the Oklahoma Blood Institute. Blood can't wait. Go to an Oklahoma Blood Institute donor center today to save a life. Wingstop. It's time to add some boneless wings to your Wingstop delivery order. Available in any of their 11 mouth-watering flavors right now. So go ahead and crush those spicy, saucy, sweet, and sassy cravings. Go to Wingstop.com now and get delivery to your door. Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. And it's not too late to respond to the 2020 census while being safe and practicing social distancing at home. Respond now at 2020census.gov. Once you have responded, please encourage your family, friends, and loved ones to complete the census too. And the Sooner Sports Podcast presented it part by OG&E. OG&E is power at the speed of light. Now, without any further ado, Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, with OU Athletic Director Joe Castiglione. Lincoln made some national news with his uh, teleconference last night. What were your thoughts on what your head coach had to say? I thought he was spot on. Uh, And uh, like Kennedy, I'm glad he did because uh, we're just expressing our opinion. I think that's the uh, world we're in right now, Toby. And we have to uh, probably get ready for – a difference of opinions on several fronts related to what we do going forward. Um, just kind of the way it is. I mean, you think about it, the way states are opening up, some states are opening up at different rates than others, and for reasons related to the outbreak of the virus itself, uh, there are a lot of opinions to that. Um, some of the protocols that have been laid out by the medical experts, they are sound, but candidly, uh, a lot of people are just bypassing them. I mean, you, you, they're just not paying attention, and uh, that's that's a that's a concern. I don't mean this uh, to come across, and I'm sure Lincoln doesn't either, as uh, we're uh, too scared or we're acting uh, in a uh, way that is creating more fear than should. It's not that at all. This is about being smart as we can be with fighting what is an invisible enemy, if you will, and not having the therapeutic treatment to deal with it. And so we do, we have to be patient and we have to be careful. What frustrates you the most right now? Well, I'm probably no different than any other person. Um, we all want to be together. That's what human nature is all about. You know, it's, it's being together, being around our friends. Obviously, we've been around our families a lot. That's a wonderful thing. Probably a, a much needed needed uh, outcome of of this uh, in the positive sense. But you know, by nature, we like being around friends. We like being around our coworkers. We we love going to the games, not just because of the excitement the game itself provides, but we're doing it with friends and family and and a lot of people and. When people get together, there's excitement. I mean, I get all of that. We all want that back as soon as we can. So I'm no different than anybody else that, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, it's causing us to have to be separated and probably will for a period of time. But, you know, it is what it is. What, what, what good does it do getting overly frustrated when we, we have to deal with it the best we can? I think, uh, I think what we're, needing to do is uh, not worry about who's blaming who and who's 
who's saying this or that, but try to focus on what's right, what's smart, what's the best approach going forward. You mentioned um, different approaches for different states. Certainly that has been the case for colleges as well. We've seen university presidents in Oregon uh, make you know statements about uh, the future on down the line in September. We, the Colorado, or the, excuse me, the California State University system uh, coming out this week and making some news. Uh, other side of the country, the SEC is voting next week on whether to return to. So everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Different parts of the country and the university, the college football level, everybody's saying different things. Does there need to be some sort of a unifier here? Does there need to be somebody or something step forward for college football? It's different than the other sports. College football is different than the other sports. Uh, who's in charge? Does there need to be a single voice that's kind of trying to orchestrate this whole thing? Well, that would be great if there was, but it doesn't work that way in college sports. Um, even the NCAA, we have a president uh, who speaks on behalf of the membership, but the membership itself is what drives the agenda. Whether we like it or not, that's what happens. So you have a governance uh, system that you know works through with you know collective voices representing all aspects of intercollegiate athletics. And so uh, you, you can get to a consensus, but it's not necessarily uh, someone coming from on high giving the edict for all to follow. I think in this case, that, that's going to be one of, the, uh, one of the challenging things, as I mentioned earlier. We, we don't have any other way. Um, we certainly operate uh, with what our federal guidelines might be. And as we've watched for many weeks now, uh, how the uh, uh, federal uh, government has given the power to the state to decide. So in our case, you know, all the states and their governors are deciding what to do and, you know, best they can on behalf of the people that they represent. And then, of course, you work from there through uh, state government to local municipalities or mayors. And then in our case, our president, Joe Harris, um, and our board, you know, they're going to make the decisions that are in the best interest of who, who we all are responsible for. And so you have a lot of people uh, in that mix. And as we've talked many times on this show, you know, in the last, whatever it's been, six weeks or so, um, we're using every, every kind of advantage we can internally to make the best decisions as uh, we've talked about our own health sciences center, the epidemiologist, the infectious disease specialist, all the people with any kind of uh, expertise in this area are being called on. So we're trying to make the collective best approach. When uh, we've talked about things, Lincoln, his point, all of that's a result of listening to the experts. I don't know, Toby, it's kind of interesting. For a few weeks there, people were arguing that perhaps we didn't listen to the medical experts soon enough or didn't see the signs and started this, uh, this approach to um, tampening down the, the spread of the virus. And now we're uh, seemingly moving right past what some of the medical experts are telling us to try and open up. And I get it. We all want to try to get out and do a few more things. 
So we have to be very smart about it. And I, I just try to encourage us to, to you know, pay attention to those guidelines that they've outlined to try and uh, protect uh, everybody. What about the Big 12? Um, SEC presidents and chancellor, chancellors scheduled to vote next week on whether to allow their schools to open athletic facilities in June. Uh, should the Big 12 do something like that? Is the Big 12 on, uh, going to do something like that? How do you feel like the conference is doing right now? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, when, when Lincoln came out, no, I think some people have mischaracterized it as like he was angling at somebody in particular. Not at all. I mean, every conference is having that exact same discussion. The fact that you know one conference has been mentioned and the others aren't that that's really that's that's really uh, inadequate reporting. Um, everybody is having that comp- uh, conversation, and so is ours. Um, even though an AD might make a recommendation, coaches might make recommendations. The ultimate decision is being made by our college presidents, and uh, you know in, re- in consultation with their boards, and then obviously uh, reflecting on how their own states are are reacting to this. And that's what I meant earlier by your previous question about there, there very well might be some unevenness to how uh, states and or schools go forward with this. And to some extent, we might have to be okay with that. You know, if Oklahoma believes that we should do it a certain way to protect our student athletes and our staff around student athletes, et cetera, then we, we have to be okay with that. Um, and we might get criticism, but we're going to stand on the principles that we stand. So whatever conferences vote on, they vote on. I will say this, that to many of our earlier points, we're trying our best to be in lockstep with each other in spite of some of those differences. So we can get some uniformity great that that's what we all want we're not out here trying to work across purposes with each other but we do realize that you know we're all part of different states that might be at different stages and and have you know different uh policies or laws around around uh, how they're reacting to the spread of this virus we'll let you go on this joe it seems to me it would benefit you greatly benefit collegiate athletics greatly if major league baseball or or the nba or both you know got out there and and were okay and kind of um broke the seal if you will on returning so that it could be shown it's possible and everyone would relax a little bit college athletics is controversial for whatever reason uh in a normal situation much less in a situation like this um so it would seem to me that you would it would be greatly beneficial if somebody else would get out there and do it and do it successfully before college football tries is that true well we certainly can learn from them uh no doubt but it's not always the exact type of comparison they may have a plan to control things differently than we do. Um, and we're bringing people in from all over the United States to our own campuses. And they can centralize it a little bit more. 
some of those sports have smaller squads. You know, they can contain, sequester, whatever. Um, but we certainly are talking to them. Our commissioner is on the White House task force, and that includes uh, representatives from all the major sports organizations. So we're sharing that kind of intel, whatever intel, that allows us to create those kinds of policies. But, you know, if you listen to everybody, Toby, you know, at least the medical experts, you know, until we have adequate testing, the ability to have adequate contact surveillance, the PPE that we need, have a place to quarantine or isolate individuals with the virus. Um, we're making advances in each of those areas, but we aren't there yet, at least not across all of our campuses. You know, some maybe are a little further along than others just because they might have access in their state more so than others. It's getting better. And as uh, Lincoln pointed out yesterday, you know, we, you know, the fact that we are talking about coming back June 1st when, you know, it's clear that we won't have advanced far enough in that, those areas to do that, it doesn't make sense in our mind for us to, you know, bring our student athletes back that early as much as we want them back uh, and as much as they want to be back. <laughs> Uh, we we just don't have the adequate um, uh, progress in all of those areas, and so we think just some more time will help. And they're they're working hard. They're making advances. You know, you hear little uh, little stories of progress all the time. They're just not quite there yet. And wh whether they're uh, advanced enough in 30 more days, you know, than than they are at this point in time, it remains to be seen, but, but obviously they're working on that. And I, I know that all the pro leagues, everybody's trying to figure this out and how we'll bring people back, whether we'll have fans or not, or how we'll have social distancing. I could tell you right now, we have these plans formulated right now. We have the plans for a return for our staff, return for our student athletes. We're, we're working on what that might mean for fans this fall. Are we going to have to practice social distancing? We, uh, we're working on a way right now that uh, fans from driveway to driveway, they would not have to touch very much at all, if anything, coming into the stadium. Ticketing to food service to going to their seat, uh, they, it, it will be a touchless type of approach. So we're working on all those things as quickly as we can, and we'll be ready. And I just, uh, I just think we'll keep sharing all that data with everybody, and hopefully we can collectively uh, move forward to protect the people. Two things that I always say each week when we talk, we're, we're not going to ever compromise health or the welfare or the safety of the people that we serve. That is our number one responsibility. So it's the commitment we make to our staff. It's the commitment we make to families when we recruit student athletes. And when they're here with us, we're taking care of them and, and uh, minimizing the risks that they have to have a healthy and productive life. And number two, our, our second goal in all of this is to um, give ourselves the very best chance to have football and every other sport that we sponsor 
this coming year. Those are the two goals. Do you have a favorite food truck, Joe? Talking food trucks with Gabe coming up here in a second. Uh, yeah. I've got to do better, Toby, so someday you'll invite me into that segment. So I'm, I'm working on that, too. That's my, that's my side <laughs> quarantine to... job. <laughs> so I would say I don't want to alienate any of them because they're all there's several that I love. But just because of my heritage, I'm going to say the Saucy Sicilians. Oh, I just ate How their last that? night. How about that? Last night I had the Saucy Sicilian. How about that? Really? Nah. Oh, yeah, I, did. I had the Palermo last night. They came to our neighborhood. There you go. How about That's, that? Uh, How about my, that? My heritage is just, you know, my three generations ago, my family's from basically Palermo, but just outside Palermo. There you go. Wow. There you go. All right. Uh, we, there's a theme as soon here as we get between, through a national pin, uh, go ahead. What's that? No, I was going to say there's a theme here. I like other foods than Italian, but, you know, obviously, I can't get away from my heritage. Thanks to Joe Castiglione with great information. And if you missed the Lincoln-Riley Zoom teleconference, we have the audio for that available on Friday's podcast. That's Friday's podcast, Sooner Sports Podcast Friday. Simply search in our archives and download it, and you can hear the entire 30-minute meeting with the media from Lincoln Riley. Great stuff all the way around from Toby and Joe C. This is what's on tap on the Sooner Sports Podcast presented by Midway Deli. We are open for takeout and delivery on DoorDash. Full menu can be found at MidwayDeli.com or you can call us at 405-321-7004. That's 321-7004. Make sure to mention curbside if you're in a more high-risk category. Now, I know... I know Jessica Cootie had a chance to talk with Courtney Paris, so Courtney Paris is going to join us a little bit later on this week on the Sooner Sports Podcast. On Friday's Sooner Sports Podcast, how about this? On Friday, we will be joined by Holly Rowe. So the ESPN sideline reporter du jour, the great Holly Rowe, will join us on Friday's Sooner Sports Podcast. So I'm excited about that. And also, how about some classic games? How about this? On Thursday, relive Courtney Paris scoring a school record 43 points as the OU women's basketball team beat New Mexico in 2006. We celebrate Courtney Paris's return to campus with one of her greatest wins. And then on Saturday, the 2008 Bedlam Classic when the Sooners pulled away from the Cowboys and Sam Bradford flipped into the end zone. That's what's on tap, presented by Midway Deli. Everyone have a great start to your week. And until Wednesday's Jess and Meg podcast, Boomer Sooner, everybody.